Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And before we start, I want to say that we are currently up for nomination for the People's Choice Podcast Awards for Best Games and Hobbies Podcast. So if, if you want to go to podcastawards.com and go to nomination, sign up, and please nominate us for the Best Games and Hobby Podcast. We'd really appreciate that. And of course, we have some updates, and I think the biggest one really is... That message that we heard from the Banished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 343 just put a new teaser out. Whether you want to call it a teaser trailer or just a full tease. Mm-hmm. You know, where we get just a visual of an audio wave. And it kind of starts with some grumbling. And we eventually learned that, oh, the Banished are officially possibly in the main Halo storyline. Yeah, so I, I'm still waiting for this to be a, a, a giant prank, and there's like, actually, Halo Wars 3. Just kidding. Yeah, so we'll play for you guys right now. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, so we've got that coming up for you now. Occupy the ring. Within hours, it will be under our control. Humanity will burn. Their brazen defiance will be all but a memory. No more prophets. No more lies. We stand together, brothers to the end. We are his will. We are his legacy. We are the banished. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's a lot of theories already around it. I'm definitely not really going to try to stretch too much as to what exactly is going on because we don't know yet, but I'm really excited. Yeah, I think thus far, as far as the clip goes, we're not hearing Atriox. You know, we're hearing, is it Shipmaster? I think so, but it's, I know that there are theories that like Atriox is dead because they're talking about no profits and all this stuff. Yeah, that all leaders are being taken out and it's going to be like a free people type thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, um, or it's going to be Halo Wars 3. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, I really don't, th- I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, but I mean, and, I think they would be done if they're like, just kidding, Halo Wars 3. Yeah, and, you know, Jesse and I have griped about this before, but 
my biggest issue with this, if this is going to be infinite, is how do they introduce it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole Twitter post and Instagram post they put out is kind of memey with, hey, guys, uh, if you want to about The Banished, play these two games, read these three books, watch this movie, look mm-hmm. at this comic book, and you'll be caught up. But yeah, and then, you know, as you said, there's just a, there's a lot of material to cover. So it is one of those things where it's like, chances are you're just going to go to Halo Cannon or Hidden Xperia, watch one of their videos that wrap it all up in a nice little package for you, and then you'll be ready. Or just play and complain. <laughs> but yeah, that is a tricky thing to kind of bring this whole other storyline in, which don't get me wrong, I like. I, I liked the Wars storyline, so it's going to be interesting to see an RTS game merge with an FPS game. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And with that being said, I mean, yeah, we still have some PC flights going on for Halo 3 right now. And, you know, as we had just touched on last episode, Halo 3 ODST Firefight is coming to MCC, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of today. We are going to be talking about Halo 4 Spartan Ops. Yeah. So we're going to jump into where we kind of left off from our last episode Mm -hmm. give you a little bit of tidbit on that but obviously we're going to cover a bit more because that episode would have been you know another hour and a half or so if we didn't just bring it to its own thing and kind of give you really what spartan ops was Mm -hmm. yeah so let's talk about the game itself halo 4 spartan ops is an episodic campaign spawned from halo 4 taking place shortly after the campaign revolving around Fireteam Crimson and Majestic as they continue to fight on the planet Requiem. The game was released November 6, 2012, with the first episode available on the Halo 4 disc. Again, before we even dive too much, I I did like the idea that it was episodic, mm-hmm. that it kind of kept things fresh for those 10 weeks that they were releasing content. So let's talk about early stages of development. Mm -hmm. So the idea around Spartan Ops would start with a conversation at 343 Industries a few years before the release of Halo 4. They asked themselves, what are some really cool water cooler experiences in video games? They would look to Battlestar Galactica, Lost, and Game of Thrones for inspiration around this. So this idea that you come into the office Monday morning and you guys go, oh my gosh, did you just see that episode? Mm Because that that was a huge thing that they were pushing was the quote-unquote water cooler moments. Yeah, it's to to keep the word-of-mouth marketing going for you Mm -hmm. and to keep those aspects of it. 343 Industries was looking to bridge the gap between the multiplayer and the campaign crowd. And on top of the multiplayer becoming canonical, they wanted something that would tie the two together and extend the Halo 4 multiplayer lifespan with more than just daily and weekly challenges. With this, they would create Spartan Ops, a story that takes place after Halo 4's campaign, and any progress made in Spartan Ops would transfer over to multiplayer since your player's one and the same. So that's how they made Mm -hmm. it canonical that your Spartan 4 that you're playing is the same as Spartan Ops as the same as all your multiplayer. Yeah. Episodes would release once a week containing five chapters or missions, with six to seven minute CGI cutscenes to drive the narrative into the next episode, totaling 10 episodes with 50 chapters altogether. Up to four players can play each chapter together on Xbox Live. So originally Spartan Ops was going to have more objective-based missions and less missions that would just revolve around killing enemies until the mission is over. This included missions like delivering bombs to certain areas, Players would also have the option to pick the maps or the game types. Eventually, 343 Industries went back to the drawing board on this, and they wanted to make it more story-driven beyond anything else. Essentially, it would be a more in-depth firefight mode. Designer David Ellis would also state that 343 Industries didn't want to tackle a straightforward firefight mode because they felt that Bungie had done all that they could with that mode, and there was no way for them to expand upon it. Which, again, that idea, Bungie did this, let's do it differently. But when it came to, you know, design, designing Spartan Ops, David Ellis had this to say. If you are a fan of Firefight traditionally, whether it was ODST or Reach, you should love Spartan Ops. We think this is the mode you've been asking for. Just by playing and participating, you've been asking for this mode whether you realize it or not. So 343 Industries was diving into new territory with Spartan Ops and often referred to it as something experimental. They would express to fans that Spartan Ops Season 1 would be longer than the DLC-style game Halo 3 ODST. So now we're firing shots at ODST. Come on, guys. And it's kind of silly to me because 
yeah, it is episodic. Yes, it has a loose story around it, but you're kind of attacking a game that was based around a story in a Halo universe as, mm-hmm. as opposed to a Halo universe based on episodic chapters. Yeah. And I, I guess it, it, that makes sense because basically in ODST, the story is pretty much what you're after. Yes. In Spartan Ops, it's kind of just rolling through the chapters. To get to the cutscenes more than anything instead of ex- experiencing the gameplay itself as well because granted – Spartan Ups does tell this story throughout the missions, but I mean, it's wash, rinse, repeat missions. Mm-hmm. In the late stages of development, 343 Industries didn't want to release one solid chunk of content since it was estimated that Spartan Ops takes about 10 or so hours to complete. They felt fans would get burnt out on it before finishing it and would potentially never come back to it. They were also inspired to make Spartan Ops reflect a TV show, making fans eagerly wait for the next episode to launch all while bridging the gap between Halo 4 and Halo 5. Some of the writers for Spartan Ops have a background in writing for Hollywood and TV, so they were able to bring that to the story. They also wanted to give the players breaks by releasing Spartan Ops in chapters, allowing fans to sit down and discuss what just happened and how their playthrough went. Yep, everybody did that. (laughs) I mean, I... And I had a lot of friends that I played Halo 4 with. I was a I was a lone wolf for Spartan Ops, and I I don't know too many people that even played it that played four, but but we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more because my opinion my about this might surprise y'all. But moving on from that, let's talk about who created the, all those awesome CGI cutscenes. Mm-hmm. So Axis was a studio tasked with creating the cutscenes for Spartan Ops. The studio created twelve hundred shots for season one alone. Director Stuart Aitken would do everything he could to get a full understanding of the Halo universe to help with the creation of these cutscenes. Artist Ansel Hasio created the Infinity model, which used over twenty six million polygons alone. I don't think I can count to that. That's a lot of that's a lot of polys <laughs> right there. I mean, I don't think anyone really wants to count to it, but yes, that is a decent number of polygons. <laughs> Which that is super impressive taking the assets that they sent them and mm-hmm. then just throwing the res up to 11 essentially. Some challenges that Axis faced was working on motion capture for characters that were anywhere from five and a half feet to 14 feet tall, along with capturing convincing facial animations for the characters because. Clearly, it's easy for people, but when you're doing motion capture, because they did this for elites as mm-hmm. well, like that's when you're like, wait, how are they supposed to talk? Yeah. Like, so I and and Blur faced the same thing when they did it for Halo 2 anniversary as well. So it's mm-hmm. always interesting how they do that. So Axis would work with sound studio Savalas to do all sounds and mixes heard in the cutscenes. Overall, Spartan Ops was the biggest project that Axis had ever tackled and had to bring in more employees just to help with the workload. So that's a good problem to have. Yeah. It's a great problem to have. Players would have to have an Xbox Live Gold membership, so your monthly membership, to play Spartan Ops on Xbox Live. But the first season was completely free. Frank O'Connor would state that Spartan Ops could in fact go on for years if the feedback was positive and the player count high enough. In fact, he said that 343 Industries had the story already planned out for a few seasons. Which is, I mean, that's that's good to have that kind mm-hmm. of because you don't want that issue where you go, let's not think too far ahead in case this flops. Like, they have those ideas. Well, yeah, it's, it's better to future-proof than it is to kind of catch up with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's move on to some quick trivia. 343 Industries would state that Spartan Ops was in no way whatsoever influenced by Call of Duty's Spec Ops. I don't know. Pretty similar name, guys. (laughs) Frank O'Connor was most excited about Spartan Ops for Halo 4, seeing it as a social experience for players, because that was one thing they really wanted to do, and one reason why they made multiplayer canonicals, because Mm -hmm. they they did want, you know, that quote-unquote more social experience, and I think that was at the time where things were moving. Destiny was also doing, you know, that as well, so really a lot of shooters were like, let's make this social, let's make these hubs and everything like that. And then finally, Jen Taylor would return to do mocap for Dr. Halsey in Spartan Ops. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because she also did it for Halo 4 too, which I had never realized. So shout out to her. And usually we have a really fun list of what's new. This is our shortest list we've ever done for what's new. We have one thing for what is new from Halo 4 to Spartan Ops. And that is the Harvester. So you see that around the end of it's one of the final missions you do 
it's it's supposed to be within like that scarab family. Mm-hmm. It's it's a giant bug looking thing. So it's an excavator, and they use it for mining and whatnot. And you have to use it eventually to drill into this mountain. So it's within that Litgolo family. Yeah, and it, and it's something that we've technically already seen, just never had a name for. Because we definitely see it in like uh, Ghost of Onyx. And a couple of those in there where they're like digging into the, the planet. So we've had that we've had that aspect in it. It's just mm-hmm. we never had a description for it or what that tool even was. Yeah, and we see that visual as well. And you go into it at one point. So I mean, don't get me wrong. For them to create a new, essentially kind of enemy yeah. for this was cool. Was I expecting a little bit more new things? Yeah, but overall, I mean, still. To do that alone, I think, was pretty cool. There's been debates on whether or not, like, it looks anything like it belongs in that, like, Golo family. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll say no, but I still, again, I still appreciate the idea that they did something like that. And they keep pushing the cannon throughout ops and give you some more stuff and some more reasons to see what Mm -hmm. things are. I mean, that's definitely a water cooler moment. Mm -hmm. Now, the marketing for Spartan Ops um, definitely wasn't a forefront for them. You know, obviously four is it, but they started pushing it at E3 2012. Mm-hmm. And there during the Microsoft conference, they would finally show the campaign gameplay for the first time, as well as allow fans to get a hands-on preview of the multiplayer and Spartan Ops. The commissioning trailer would also debut at E3 2012. The reveal for Spartan Ops was actually a two minute motion comic trailer created by Planet Jump Studios depicting the last two minutes of the first cutscene from episode one. This initial trailer was released behind closed doors to the press. Yeah, so it was it was literally just kind of like a mock-up mm-hmm. of it. You didn't have any of the actual voice actors yet, and I'm really surprised that they showed this because it to me, like, again, they didn't have the voice actors to actually convey like what was going on. So it was it was a rough draft, which yeah, was and, and kind of bizarre to me. Which I think is okay. You got to put it out there. And if you want it to be that water cooler-esque, and also you figure at that time, you have a lot of other competition that you're going against. So you got to give like some edge to the press to keep talking about you to be like, what's this mysterious kind of new mode that's mm-hmm. coming out? Like we only True. saw like this rough draft, but you know, it seems promising. Mm-hmm. Whether Whether it goes that way or not, you're at least getting the initial press out there for people to come and learn about it. Yeah. So, of course, I love these name-branded marketing tactics with our next marketing tactic, Infinity Challenge, powered by Virgin Mobile Gaming. I didn't even know Virgin Mobile Gaming was a thing. They are. They're a huge thing. I did not know Well, at least now they, they they sponsor a lot of teams. Oh, okay, okay. So 343 Industries would offer to lucky fans the opportunity to have their face featured in Halo 5. Mm -hmm. To win your face in Halo 5, all one would have to do is be the one player who played Spartan Ops the most. That's it. There were additionally 2,800 other prizes that could be won by participants. So shirts, mugs. Avatar stuff. Toilet paper. Oh, man, I want some... some... It's, not, it's, not, it's not Halo branded. They're just going to send you some toilet paper. I mean, in the, today's climate, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do love it. It's like you just literally had to play it the most or you can get a shirt. There's no in between. I'll just stick, <laughs> I, honestly, I'll just stick the shirt at that point. I'll just jump on and be like, you got to play for an hour to get a shirt? All right. I would love to meet the fan who – or the, the two fans that did get their face in there. I wonder what the process was like. Like did they actually go and do motion capture or did some PR dude go, email me a selfie? And then they just roughly warped it on. It's kind of like with uh, the OG – I think it's OG Rainbow Six where you could put your own face on your guy. I was thinking Tony Hawk's Underground. Yes. Because they looked horrible. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just like – it's like a rap where you just like took a, a – a, a flat image uh-huh. and just stretch it across a face <laughs> and it's like it's like a leather face type thing you're like yep that's who i am now so if you guys notice one npc in if halo you see 5, that leather face is in halo 5 <laughs> that's who it is please let us know because i would love to see it or if you're a listener and you were the guy or or woman themselves that were or on dog there. what if a dog won oh my god yeah That'd what if cool. like, this is sprinkles sprinkles it sprinkles out. played the most of this spartan ops great job sprinkles <laughs> And our final piece of marketing we've got is the Halo 4 Double XP. So we see that a lot in games, you know, whether it's a weekend, whether it's a new launch, Mm -hmm. it gives you an incentive to kind of jump back into it. If players completed all 10 chapters of Spartan Ops during the times of May 3rd through May 5th, 2013, they would then be able to get Double XP 
with 10 Halo 4 multiplayer games after Mar- May 24th, 2013. So, wow. I think I fell off of Spartan Ops by then, so I definitely... Uh... I think I fell off of Halo 4 by then, so... Well, and I think the thing is, too, is, you know, like, we want to create this really cool water cooler moment. Everyone beat this in two days. Yeah, uh, and especially... Well, I guess I was going to say, you know, the year or year after... Not a year, but the next year. But then I was like, oh, wait, I forgot these were releasing weekly mm-hmm. for a while. And then there was a short break after the first five episodes that we'll we'll go into. But, yeah, so with that being said, I mean... Again, I think it's an interesting enough story of what was going on here that we, you know, we give it its own episode. So now that we know about just some quick tidbits about the development and the short and sweet marketing and the very short and sweet what's new list, let's talk about the campaign itself. Now, Mm -hmm. we're not going to dive into all 50 missions because these missions, each one of them is pretty similar gameplay. It's it's firefight, but it's 10-minute firefight Exactly. It's, it's firefight with some having objectives, but for the mm-hmm. most part, it is a wave defense clearing, play with your friends, and you can play this on different modes. So you can have everything from your easy to your legendary, mm-hmm. play by yourself, or play with your friends. The one tidbit I will say with it as you went through is the, the difficulty does change. However, the enemy spawn rate does not. Yeah. So by playing by yourself, it's definitely the hardest option. Playing with three other friends, you can kind of work through it. Mm-hmm. And like they said, that's kind of the way they wanted it to be played. Because I've tried rolling through it solo on Legendary, and it's just, it's just a, it's a chore. Mm-hmm. But if you get your friends in there, it obviously makes it more fun. And like you said, it's that water, that water cooler moment of, oh yeah, we finally beat that. Like it's a pretty cool story. What did you guys think of the story? So mm-hmm. it de- it definitely does bring that up. Yeah. So we will be talking about the accommodating cutscenes themselves. Because those are what drive the narrative Mm -hmm. more so than, you know, you would be very confused if you were playing these 50 missions. Because there is exposition that does go on in the background, Mm -hmm. but it's all revolving around the cutscene that just happened. Yes. So we will be more so talking about the cutscenes themselves and that story because there's like 58 to 60 minutes of it total. And and for the most part, I mean, I think the story pans out very well. Yeah, I think it's done really well. I think... Seeing it concise, or if you guys have the chance to go on YouTube and watch an anthology that put it all together, mm-hmm. it makes so much more sense than maybe playing a couple missions, stopping for a month, coming back, and seeing kind of like, oh, what was that again? So we're mm-hmm. going to kind of break that down for you, and definitely recommend it after or before this episode, if you're hearing this right now, go watch, go listen, and let us know what you think. Yeah, because it, it, I think it, if you really have no interest in doing that, just go watch an hour worth of cutscenes versus 10 hours worth of gameplay essentially but so it starts out it's february 2558 and we're in the midst of trying to take back requiem or at least take more power on requiem Mm -hmm. and this whole story revolves around fire teams majestic and crimson and you know as well as we still have marines and navy and air force and everyone else over requiem in infinity and so the cutscenes all revolve around majestic you are part of Cryptum, like you're Spartan, mm-hmm. so your fire team is never really directly there. Your character is never in the cutscenes, which makes sense because these are pre-rendered custom cutscenes. Yes. So it all revolves around fire team Majestic, really. So I, I remember it starts with we have fire team Majestic on their way to Infinity on a, pel- a pelican, and we do have like these these cliche soldiers, but it does remind me of. When you go back to Combat Evolved and Halo 2, those were based off of movies like Aliens and Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. So I th- I did like the idea that there was this kind of hearkening back to that. But it's, you know, we're, we're starting to get a little, get to know a little bit more about Fireteam Majestic. They are, you know, like their leader is kind of cocky, you know, kind of making jokes about being a ladies man. So they eventually get to infinity and they meet sarah palmer and of course he's trying to kind of hit on her like oh hi lady what are you doing here i run this whole fire team and then she's like oh well i'm ahead of all the fire teams ever so it's kind of like this established like uh oh that was my Mm -hmm. commander that i just started hitting on kind of silly nonsense you see it's not rom-com though you guys are thinking oh it's like it's gonna be like a tom hanks movie where he's stuck in the airport not like that at all not a (laughs) rom-com 
I like that that's your reference for a rom-com. It's some <laughs> it's, random old-ass Tom Hanks movie. It's the only one I could think of. <laughs> Not anything modern day, but guys, you remember Tom Hanks in the 90s when he was stuck in an airport? What other rom-coms can you think of? Love Actually, 13 Going on 30. Okay, okay. You know what? You've proved your point already. You don't have to prove it any further. Anyway, so to give you guys a breakdown, like we said, <laughs> so you have this, the fire teams will eventually go in, and we're going we're gonna to see that going. We're going to see that they're going to run through a series of search and destroy missions, mm-hmm. rescue missions, artifact recovery, extraction, and finally assassination operations. So most of your gameplay is going to play like your classic Halo, run through, kill the Prometheans, kill the Covenant, while also doing some of these other missions with it. Mm-hmm. And so we start off with kind of our first mission going through. And during a mission on the surface, we see that Fireteam Crimson uncovers a Forerunner slipspace artifact, which you've brought aboard on the Infinity. After the device disrupts the ship systems and teleports Chief Engineer Glassman to the surface of the planet, Dr. Catherine Halsey makes her return mm-hmm. to see what's going on. Well, yeah, because I remember the, the, this artifact that they have that kind of like, let's say, looks like a sarcophagus or a car- mm-hmm. uh, coffin. It starts freaking out. It's like killing the engines because, remember, the Infinity is built with Forerunner engines. Yes. So then it's like communicating with those and it's communicating with the other engines. And finally, I think as it's freaking out, Sarah Palmer just kicks it and then it's fine. So then Glassman walks up to it later and starts touching it and he gets teleported in. And Mm -hmm. we're like – well, actually, spoiler, we think he just dies. He just kind of disintegrates inside of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh-oh. So, yeah, that's when we see that they bring in Halsey. And it's surprising to me because Majestic, those Spartans are sitting there as they're transporting her in. And they're, like, almost, like, talking about her. They're like, you know, she made the first Spartans. They're like, what? Really? They're like, yeah, they were just kids. And they're like, no way. That's impossible. So it's crazy to me that in the lore, even Spartan 4s, it's still almost like a rumor. Of, like, what actually the Spartan 2s are. So I love the the allure that Spartan 2s are still legends mm-hmm. to the, the Spartan 4s, and we don't know. And, of course, like, they're like, why would they bring in kids? And that's when Halsey, like, perks up and, and gives her input into the conversation. So we're also establishing Halsey again under this kind of not-so-pretty light and... When she talks, everyone stops and listens, you know? Yeah, and, and as we go on, and we notice the artifact starts to scan the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, after, after we've, we've got Dustman, a.k.a. Glassman, <laughs> uh, goes away, it starts to scan the ship and transmits the data to the surface of Requiem, where said data is intercepted by Jewel Umdama, mm-hmm. who we originally saw in the Kilo 5 trilogy. Yeah, so it's... It, I had never read the books coming coming into this. So coming back and visiting it, I have a newfound respect for the character. It was so cool to finally see it and being like, oh, he's just playing this act because mm-hmm. he wants a leadership role. And it made me appreciate it more. So it, in retrospect, it was like, man, I really wish I would have read those books. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But it was still cool because I love how they – you know, you have that more appreciation. I do love how they portray him now. Mm-hmm. He's very calm and collected and you're like, awesome. This is cool. This is where it was coming to. Yeah, because he's kind of – from the book as we see, one of the first elites to kind of truly start to play with the foreigner objects. Because it was mm-hmm. always seen as sacred, do not touch, it's a museum type thing. But now when he was discovering, oh, I can teleport, I can do this. I press a button. This is cool. These guys aren't gods. These guys are dead aliens. I'm going to push the buttons. Yeah. So, so it's great to see that. Uh, the other thing that we do see in this scene is we see Glassman again. Mm-hmm. And we see that he is taken captive by the covenant that's there, as far as we know, mm-hmm. and is ordered to activate the librarian's shrine. Yeah. So it, it's literally just like one of those things. It's like, oh, they found where the librarian is. And I mm-hmm. guess that... Glassman, because it's like one of the things he has like a harness that clearly will probably blow up if it explodes. But he's it's cliche. He's complaining because he doesn't have the tools to access this and Mm -hmm. he can't figure out how to access it either. Like he just he has no idea. It's 400 tech. And, you know, it's like clearly like only a handful of scientists ever human scientists have touched this stuff Mm -hmm. and even have a surface level knowledge of it. Totally. Now we're going in playing some more missions. Fireteam Crimson, which is your fire team, once again secures another Forerunner artifact, which is like the quote-unquote, the Didact's gift. So we find out that it has memories of all the Prometheans, essentially. 
And all of a sudden, you know, we know that Prometheans are humans. We start seeing memories from New Phoenix, that mm-hmm. attack at the end of Halo 4. And to jump back a little bit, one member of Fireteam Majestic said that he had had his family wiped out at New Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden he sees this video of Fireteam or of, of these people at New Phoenix being wiped out and he kind of gets ticked off and walks out the room and like it's you know now we're learning like maybe the infinity knows a little more like lasky knows a little more like he already knew that this was a thing and that what he was about to show this guy like he knew so that's why that guy was ticked because he just saw the death of people in like his hometown yeah and we we start to learn as the cutscenes go so so that spartan was uh gabriel thorne Mm -hmm. you know he leaves and he kind of comes back on his own you know, he's doing a little, a little trickery, coming back to see what's all about this artifact. And so when he comes to investigate it and kind of mess around with it... Pokes he, it. He pokes it. <laughs> he, ends up getting, he ends up getting translocated to the cauldron and is left to fend for himself amidst this covenant-controlled territory. Yeah, so it's like it's like he shows up, he turns around, and there's like 20 elites just staring at him. It's like, what is with... Because that's what Glassman to, did too. Walks up, just starts poking it. I, I don't. I don't. What get is it. that? I don't get it. My nephew would do that. He's seven years old. <laughs> even then, he might be like, "This thing's glowing." He won't pet my dogs. I don't think he would touch either. So not <laughs> even my nephew would do that. Well, you know, of course, this does happen. So we have to get Doctor Halsey involved. Mm-hmm. And throughout this, Doctor Halsey starts to be talking to this kind of unknown. You know, we're not really sure who this who this this third party, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. is. And they're starting to kind of. Talk about the interest in the librarian. Yeah. I think she thinks she's talking to an AI. It's like that episode of The Office where Dwight thinks he's talking to the Dunder Mifflin website yeah. because it finds sentience. It's kind of the same thing. She's she's Dwight in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we eventually do learn that it's actually Julamdama who's talking to her through this machine, this forerunner machine. I don't know how this jib-jab works, but he just got communication with her. So she, she's been secretly, like— looking at it because i know at one point uh thorn was accompanying dr halsey and having some conversations with her and every time that she sees a message she tells him i'm working and like turns around and like is reading it and so eventually she's sitting there and she's with lasky and palmer and she says out loud librarian and all of a sudden that's when palmer grabs the tablet because she's reading it through a tablet it's like what are you doing and throws it over to lasky and shows like oh she's been talking to somebody or something behind her back like this is not good because and now like palmer's like all right now we can lock her up because there's this unestablished but uneasy tension between halsey and palmer like from the beginning palmer's like i hate her i don't like her I want to shoot her. She doesn't actually say that out loud, but there's this tension between the two throughout the whole thing. Throughout the Infinity, they already kind of get that because Mm -hmm. if we go back to, you know, the Kilo 5 trilogy as well, and we start talking about Perangoski and putting Halsey in this dungeon to kind of, you know, work on all these other things that kind of need to be done. And she knows Halsey is smart and has that knowledge, but can't be trusted. So I think that has permeated through the Infinity. Mm Mm-hmm. And seeing Halsey kind of sneakily work, it's kind of like, what, is, what else is she working on? What yeah. is she doing that's against the Oni or against the UNSC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this leads to, you know, now she has to go and get locked up. Or, you know, they, they lock her up in a, a cell or whatever. Going back then to Thorn, he eventually gets, you know, it shows like he gets taken out by the elites and he gets dragged to where they're going to that shrine for the librarian mm-hmm. he's able because this is like this is like almost the same thing from halo wars he wakes up all the elites are distracted so he's just like see ya and then just runs off and of course that's when they're like oh where'd he go because we, we just put him at the back of the line yeah and this is like this is how it works apparently you always put him in the middle <laughs> no prisoners go in the back <laughs> but of course he he runs into glassman eventually and is like oh let's escape so he takes off the harness from glassman and he throws it at the entrance where all these elites are coming and that's when an elite activates the harness he's mm-hmm. like oh, i'm gonna kill glassman to find out he just killed a bunch of his brethren mm-hmm. so that's like an unfortunate thing where you're like oops uh oh 
But moving back to Halsey itself, so she's in her cell, and our, we're introduced, we skipped over this, we're introduced to the Infinity AI, Roland. Yes. I like Roland. Roland's a cool guy. Roland's great. Roland's kind of like an old school pilot. Yeah, with the, with the aviator, the aviator gear. cap uh-huh. and everything, yeah. Yeah, and so, which it's... I guess I guess we can say that's something new as well as we're introduced to Roland here. Yes. He's a new character that carries over into Halo 5. I think one of the few characters introduced in Spartan Ops that carries over to Halo 5. Mm-hmm. But so he's talking to Halsey and she actually says some kind of password phrase or password something. phrase that overrides him. So mm-hmm. now she's in his control. And so she's like, go tell the guards outside that they need to escort me to Lasky's office. So, of course, he does that. So she goes to Lasky's office, and she starts communicating with Jewel again. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is all of a sudden he eventually snaps out of it, and that's when Lasky comes in. And, of course, Palmer's upset, as always, because how dare she trick us again. But then all of a sudden that's when Prometheans attack the Infinity. Yes. Which I will say – I don't know how realistic this is, but at one point, Lasky just takes out a Promethean. I don't know. I, I struggle with them sometimes in the campaign. So Lasky just takes one out in one shot, like with this cool kick hit move, which I mean, if so, he's as powerful as a chief, so be it. I do like Lasky, so I'll let this one slide, 343. <laughs> just don't let it happen again. But eventually, a Promethean kidnaps Halsey. Mm-hmm. So the goal was to come in and get her and leave because she had been talking with Jewel Dama, And I think at this point... She was saying, like, hey, uh, we both have a mutual interest. I'm smarter than that Glassman idiot. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. So that's what happens with that. But unfortunately, this means that Halsey has to die. And we actually see a familiar face. We run into Saren Osman, who we saw in the first two Kilo 5 books uh, that we read, which was kind of Parangoski's pet project she's kind of the one who that she wants to lead Mm -hmm. and you know we'll get more details in that in our third installment of the book series but we're seeing that oh she's head of office of naval intelligence so she's honcho now she is top dog and so she ends up ordering captain lasky to assassinate dr halsey because i know even reading the books Osmond had always questioned, like, why they really kept Halsey around. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she just thought she was more of a liability. She saw how Perangoski had to deal with it. And I think her thinking is, we're done. Yeah, because yeah, it was essentially like, this is what Perangoski wanted but never did. So this is what I'm going to do now. Take her out. Yes. Like, she has clearly pushed her luck to the limit. And we see that Lasky doesn't like the idea of assassinating a non-lethal Civilian. Yeah. He is he's absolutely torn he's by this. He's very much by the book. Yeah, he's I, I don't want to do this. And he's talking to Palmer. Mm-hmm. And she says, listen, it's my orders. This isn't my first time. I'm going to do this. And I do like the relationship that they establish between Palmer and Lasky because she – I think she calls him Tom. Yeah. she So she, she calls him first name. We can see that they've been around each other for a while and they're comfortable. So I do love the details like that where they establish their friendship almost because we notice that when she walks around him, she's like leaning on ledges. Like she's not prim and proper around her. Like they're both casual with each other. But we see this conflict where she's like, these are my orders. This is what I have to do. And he says, I, I please let me do something else. And she even says, I'm not going to let you get court-martialed over this. Mm-hmm. She's like, so that's how much she cares. She could be like, whatever, he's my commander. He's going to do what he's going to do. But she's like, I'm I'm willing to kill this person so your career is safe. So I loved that relationship. But needless to say, he's like, hey, Majestic, you want to go save her? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't tell him, like, Palmer is going to kill him. He's like, hey, guys, you want to do me a favor? You want to go just uh, – just go save her. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of the bringing up like Prometheans in the Covenant attacked this ship. They took Halsey. We need to get Halsey back and, she, mm-hmm. and like show them that we're going to retake Requiem. We're going to do this. Get on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. in his mind, he's like, it, it's a very selfish and selfless act that he's doing mm-hmm. because, you know, like you said, deep down, he does care. And he's like, I can't do this. But at the same time, if killing Halsey saves humanity... Isn't that the greater good choice? Yeah. There's all that moral dilemma Mm -hmm. in here. You know, there's a lot of layers to unlock with it. But I do do love this whole controversy with it, especially because you see, like, 
she's like like Palmer secretly like finally I get to kill this woman because yes. we all here. So we find out that you know moving on Halsey is now working with Julam Dama yes. and his covenant, um, which is known as the Didax hand because we see like that white handprint on them, kind of like the the hand of Sauron. Mm-hmm. See some some ripping off there three four three. Hey, listen, hands have been around forever. <laughs> but yeah, so eventually Halsey does make it into this shrine with the librarian. And she talks to the librarian because I don't know how this works. I don't think anyone knows how this works. It's just now it's like her imprint that talks to her. And she gives Halsey this thing called the Janus key. But she only gives it she only gives it her half of the Janus key. Yes. Essentially. And so at one point, and I remember before Halsey even ran into the shrine, Jewel's like, no, I need to be the one to talk. But Jewel wouldn't have gotten that key anyway. No. But yeah, so so we eventually touch base with Thorn and Glassman, who had escaped from Jewel Amdama and his covenant. And they're actually being stalked by an elite, kind of Jewel Amdama's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And so eventually it breaks out into this kind of fist fight between his this elite and Thorn. And right as he's about to deliver the killing blow to Thorn, uh, the rest of Majestic comes in and saves him. Yes. And they kind of like pick apart at the elite, get the sword, get the uh, the cloaking device, and then get a map to figure out like what's going on and where they're at as well. Yeah, and I always love those scenes of brink of death, team comes in, you get like that feel-good moment for it. But yeah, it definitely starts to advance that story to be like, okay, we're kind of tra- – now we can have – tracking to kind of get back to where we were mm-hmm. and to figure out how we're going to take out these elites and mm-hmm. this this new faction that we're seeing. So at this point, though, is when we see that Palmer is sneak, you know, assassinating all these elites and making her way in. And at the same time, that's when Fireteam Majestic is making their way yes. in. And they have this awkward kind of confrontation like, you're here, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. But not before that... Palmer shoots Halsey straight in the shoulder. Yes. And she's able to throw that Janus key over to Thorn, and then they transport away. Mm-hmm. But so now you know, cause, uh, Palmer's like, what are you doing here? They're like, we're supposed to be saving Halsey. What are you doing here? She's like, I'm here to kill Halsey. And then they're like, ah, and they all laugh about it. And then it's like a sitcom ending because like the, the background audience laughs. Yes, it's, it's in there. If you guys listen real closely, <laughs> you hear that Seinfeld audience giving them some claps. <laughs> now we're to the point to where Jewel is like, oh, well, I've got what I needed because I don't think he realizes yet Halsey threw that Janus key. And he's like, I got what I needed. We're just going to throw Requiem into a star. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes now it's like, uh-oh, we need to escape Requiem and – get out of the gravity well and this is that mission where you want to go in the gameplay where we do see that harvester we have to use a harvester to get inside activate it and go into the like the center of this mountain yes so that's kind of cool but they they eventually do the infinity everyone all escapes they make their way out of there and then they make their way as i said out of the gravity well and they're they're all good to go so this is when, you know, afterwards we're all celebrating Seinfeld laughs and whatnot. <laughs> Lasky and Palmer look at and, – and Glassman, they're all observing the Janus key. And I think this is where they establish it's a half of a whole. Like we need two parts yes. of this. Yeah, because I believe when Halsey was, was you know, kind of third-eyeing with the librarian and she gets that key. third She's going through it. She's third-eye blind now. But yeah, it's assumed and Jewel and everyone kind of assumes it's the full thing. You know, we've came. We've got the key we need. But then obviously you have this kind of spoiler alert scene where they're studying, like, there must be, like, another half of this. Mm -hmm. Two halves of that whole. Yeah, there needs to be something to it. Yeah. And then, you know, moving on from that, wrapping this all up, is we see Dr. Halsey is with Jewel Amdama and his forces, and she's not missing her arm. Her arm was amputated. Yes. And it ends on, you know, it's like, I'm going to get revenge for the, uh, you know, for the UNS or at the UNSC. And then fades to black. Mm-hmm. So when we leave it off, she a bad guy now. Yeah. Which I di- I'm going to say this right now. did not like. Did not like whatsoever. I realize we're trying to make Dr. Halsey not a likable person, but come on. Yeah. And it's in, you know, you can even, you can even think of it as a survival instinct of now I'm stuck with them. Do I, do I fight against them and just became a prisoner again? Mm-hmm. 
you know, I was just a prisoner before. Now I'm going to be a prisoner again. Or do I say I'm going to work with them? You know, because I think you have to realize she is a kind person, but her own intuition, her own projects take precedent over everything. Mm -hmm. It's what the Spartan twos were. It's what her other projects, pet projects building up were. I mean, I mean, look at her even on Onyx, wanting to study this stuff, not really caring about the Huragak, not really caring about any of this stuff. So you can see her almost taking that opportunity to work with Jewel because she knows now that he's the leader of this new sect that's out there. Obviously, he's the person I can deal with. And he is the first, I think, ever elite specifically, possibly Covenant, that Halsey's ever dealt with that cares about Forerunner stuff or yeah. that understands Forerunner stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess that is also a new introduction if you never played Spartan Ops and then you jumped into Halo 5 and you're like, why is Halsey missing an arm? Yeah. And so that wraps up uh, the rest of our campaign. So, you know, like we said, we're seeing Halsey as a quote-unquote bad guy going through it. You're seeing what we're going to see in Halo 5 potentially at the start. We don't know. But it's interesting that they left that in the Spartan Ops and not in the actual core story. Mm-hmm. You know, because that kind of goes through to 343's thinking as well of not just using the core material, but using this superfluous stuff that they add into it. Yeah. So now we jump over to just some fun Easter egg stuff and some fun tidbits throughout the series. And we're actually going to get some red versus blue radio conversations. Yep. Uh, And so what this is, is just fun Easter eggs that you see that they're working with the red versus blue team again to kind of find some stuff for you to explore the map, see what's out there and get deep into it. Yeah. So so we'll go through each one of the missions with a hashtag detailed walkthrough. Mm -hmm. So we could start with the first mission, which is core. So around the beginning of the level, when you come to the bridge, when your team comes to the bridge and you have to activate that power source to progress, look over the edge at the far side. And there will be a radio on a rock near a lava fall. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. There you go. Hashtag detail walkthrough. Next, we have Gargren at the chapter's opening. Walk to the end of the corridor and go left, not right, but left. Follow the tunnel of vines and the radio is on the left, not right, left. Walk. To the left. <laughs> Between two vines, not one, two. <laughs> so moving on from that, we have a shootout in Valhalla. The radio is at the very end of the top of a pine tree at the very beginning of the mission. There you go. Hashtag Pretty easy. Through. Then we have the rally point. The radio is on the right side, not the left this time, of the waterfront tower near the top. There you go. Now we have Spartan Thorn at the beginning of the level. Turn around and look for the radio on a ledge along a cliff. Bam. Search and destroy the mission. Not the game type. The radio is hidden on top of a structure straight across from the platform on the side of the main building. Not the garage. Mm-mm. Not the garage. Not, not the that main uh, building. She shed in the back. Nope. The main building. Main building. Moving on, we have Engine of Destruction. When the mission begins, follow the platform around to the left to a small control room. Small. Not medium. Mm-mm. Not schmedium. Not schmedium. Not, not large. Small. The radio is underneath the computer console on the right. There you go. Not the left. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we have Majestic Rescue. The radio is in an underground tunnel near the base of the far right of the map. Moving on from that, we have The Hammer. Once Crimson has assisted Poker Squad, move on the next area. Use a jetpack to get on top of the floating platform on the right. Walk to the end, and the radio is sitting just over the edge. Yep. I would say that's a hashtag pretty detailed walkthrough. Pretty detailed. That's a little too much information. Jetpack? Mm, It's crazy. And finally, we have Seize the Power. After Crimson has stormed the first gate with Fireteam Forest, stick to the right side. Eventually, there will be a Crash Pelican with the radio underneath it. There you go. So, there you go. But yeah, check it out. It's, it's really cool that they've added these cameos in. And I always love when you see either pop culture stuff or kind of influencers for Halo mm-hmm. jumping into here. So it's really cool to see them as part of it. Yeah. So now let's talk about, again, a short list of cut material. At one point, they were going to have space banshees. They were, you know, they were going to have skulls in it. Mm-hmm. So that would have been cool. But finally, the concept itself about Spartan Ops being firefight mm-hmm. itself was cut completely. And as we had said in our Halo 4 episode, it's because 343 Industries couldn't make a straightforward firefight game canonical to drive the narrative because everything's got to be canonical. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the achievements. So there were a couple added in specifically for Spartan Ops, mm-hmm. some very similar to our classic stuff. Complete one of them, complete all of them on Legendary. 
Uh, and then we get a couple in there that are specific. So you have roses versus violets. I do like that, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. One of the RVB Easter eggs. Rescue Ranger. Save at least one Marine in Chapter 3, Episode 2 on Heroic or Higher. Assassinate a Knight. Complete Chapter 4, Episode 5 without losing generator power. And finally, Chapter 1, Episode 5, Survive All Enemy Waves During the Defense on Normal or Harder. So yeah, so it gives you a couple more achievements. Some are just kind of, like you said, for completing the game. Mm-hmm. Some are kind of the classic Halo stuff. Of like, do a very specific thing on, on this map, and then also just Assassinate a Knight. So they've added some stuff in there, which should hopefully get you, get you some more gamer score. Yeah. So moving on from that, let's just cover some some quick little areas like multiplayer. You know, it was available to play on Xbox Live either with friends or on its own matchmaking playlist. Mm-hmm. So with and, randos or your friends. Yeah, and you also you had uh, uh, scoreboards to go off of and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Moving on to music itself, you know, there there was no original music made for Spartan Up since Neil Davidge and Kazuma Janucci had already written music for Halo Four, which was two albums worth. It's a lot. With that being said, the cutscenes would feature a good amount of music from the soundtrack, and some of that music was actually never heard in Halo 4 itself. Yeah, we talked about that. They created hours and hours and hours, Mm -hmm. and then they go, here, team, use this somewhere. I will say, I think the music was implemented a lot better. Granted, it's only an hour of cutscene versus, like, two cutscenes. But they did did much—I would say Spartan Ops is much better with it. They implemented it a lot better. Like, it was more convincing that— the music was written for Spartan Ops and it was for Halo yes. 4. So let's touch on some tracks from Halo 4 Volume 1 and 2 soundtrack that can be heard on Spartan Ops. We have Majestic, Awakening, To Galaxy, 117, Aliens, and Desecration. All great tracks, by the way. But mm-hmm. uh, there there are more, but it's just hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what, because they still do sometimes. Let's add like 10 or 15 seconds of this track and then transition out of it. Yeah, and I think, like you said, they did really well with it. Uh, next, we have the release versions. You obviously have your standard version, which is your Halo 4, Xbox 360, but then added into MCC, which is added December 23rd, 2014, as the first part of the patch they're adding to it mm-hmm. to kind of get some more content with it. But it wouldn't include those accommodating achievements. This update was only three gigs. I can't wait to talk about the MCC itself because mm-hmm. how this got implemented with ODST as well and all that. It's just, it's such a rabbit hole of. What went wrong? Well, and you know, and who points the fingers and, and mm-hmm. why did this come out and kind of the success of it, but also the failures of it. Mm-hmm. And finally, we might be seeing it on PC. You know, as, as we're seeing three now rolling out, a lot more of them coming to that MCC collection. So you'll more than likely be seeing Spartan Ops on there. And I'm assuming it's going to be in the same lump sum, not having like four come out, then kind of Spartan Ops, then kind of this, then kind of this. Yeah. You'll probably get a cleaner, potentially roll out to have the entire Mm -hmm. game in it. Yeah, don't quote us on it. So now let's move on to the general reaction and reception of Spartan Ops itself because we are kind of looking at this as its own game. Yes. So the first part of Season 1 would see fans going through reused maps from the campaign and the gameplay feeling more and more monotonous. 343 Industries would address fans' concerns and actually put effort into more unique maps and gameplay for the second half of Season 1 after almost two-month break in between. So remember, for five weeks when Halo 4 dropped, we had those, and then they took a two-month break. Yes. And then in the springtime kind of came back and gave you more. So many reviewers would actually compare the second half of Season 1 to the Halo 4 campaign itself. This was also due to the fact that 343 Industries brought in campaign designers to help work on Episodes 6 through 10. Fans would still find dismay in the idea that though Spartan Ops is advertised as quote-unquote free, it would still require an Xbox Live Gold account and thus was really costing $60. You also couldn't buy it with or you couldn't play it without Halo 4. Correct. And yeah, because it was still required that. So it's basically, you'd have to invest. If you wanted to do the whole chapter thing, go time by time, probably that full Xbox Live membership of the year, which is your cheapest version, you know, mm-hmm. getting the lump sum of 60, it's $120 to play this. Mm-hmm. So you got to think of that. 343 Industries would specifically state, on multiple occasions, Spartan Ops was meant to be a co-op experience. A solid amount of players would play it solo, like you and I, mm-hmm. which disrupted the gameplay balance. Other issues Season 1 would see was its fair share of players not being able to load missions, being stuck on the mission select menu, and eventually get booted back to the main menu. It wouldn't be until after the release of the entire first season that 343 Industries would fix this issue. Womp womp. 
Nigel Murch would start a petition on Change.org in 2013 to get 343 Industries to create a second season of Spartan Ops. After eight signatures, the petition was unfortunately closed. I love adding the the change. Change.org stuff is so great. I, I love it. Because, yes, there are legitimate concerns in the world that we need to address mm-hmm. through this. This is not one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. So, unfortunately, there would be no Season 2 of Spartan Ops confirmed June 13th, 2013 on Halo's official Twitter account. Supposedly, the story that was planned for Season 2 would be told through the comic series Halo Escalation, which we will be covering. So, we'll just pretend that we're playing it and not reading it. Mm -hmm. Moving on from that, trying to find specific ratings for this game was hard because Spartan Ops was lumped into Halo 4. So you're seeing more Halo 4 reviews. We have one kind of skewed and bias review here. So Eurogamer gave it a 6 out of 10. GamesRadar Plus, we give it a 4.5 out of 5. And then uh, good old Microsoft, Daddy Microsoft, gave it a 4 out of 5. They didn't even give it a full 5. (laughs) Microsoft themselves was like, eh, you guys kind of screwed up. Yeah. So the idea of Spartan Ops was something fans were ecstatic about, regardless of the fact that it meant traditional firefight was cut. 343 Industries was still able to deliver 50 total missions to the Halo community and work around limited bandwidth and RAM. Unfortunately, the execution fell a little short. And I mean, to dive into this, let's let's kind of uh, I'll I'm going to change things up. And I'm going to lead into my oh, opinion of start. this. I'm going to start this. I'm sorry, all Alex. Right, all I'm, right, all right. It's, it's, you know, I'm just feeling it. I'm awake right now. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> go ahead. So really for me, and, and I will say this, I liked Spartan Ops. I think that if there was truly a bigger team dedicated to Spartan Ops, we would have gotten gameplay that wasn't so monotonous. I loved the story. I loved the concept. Yeah, you know what? Give me Firefight with a uh, more narrative drive. I love that idea. But when, you know, for the first half, you're reusing so many multiplayer and campaign missions, mm-hmm. it starts to feel really stale. And it does feel like this really secondhand thing that we're getting delivered. I, I, I Again, I did love the gameplay, but really a majority of players were also playing the solo when it's supposed to be a co-op thing. I also don't think that the story was so compelling that me and my friends were going to meet up Monday and go, oh, my God, guys. Like, did you did you see that? Did you remember that? Like, yeah. I, you know, for me, it's just I think it fell short in those things. Again, I liked Spartan Ops overall as the concept, even down to the idea that the music fit better a lot of the time than it did in the in the Halo 4 campaign. Just again, the idea was cool. I think it did fall a little short, though. I feel like with another six months and a bigger team, it it would have been better in Halo 4. Personally, I like playing this more than I do Halo 4, honestly. Like, even if it is 50 total missions with three objectives split throughout all 50 of those are reused, overall, it was still nice. I do remember, you know, those first five weeks sitting there waking up whenever it released Sunday or Monday, and I would play those. Mm-hmm. I would get excited. I'd play them. And I loved watching the cutscenes with everything unfold. I, I thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah, I'm coming at this much later. I didn't play Halo 4 until a couple years after it. And so Spartan Ops, and so Spartan Ops was already finished and was already out. So I played through the campaign and jumped into the Spartan Ops. And so for me, playing it solo, just to experience it, was okay. Like they said, this is meant to be played with friends. It didn't scale up with friends. It was yeah. the hardest difficulty by yourself and the most enjoyable with three other people. Yeah. So me trying to roll through Legendary, trying to kill knights, just running at them, throwing grenades and dying and hopefully I can get some more grenades later, mm. just, it wasn't that great. However, I, I do agree, like the story unfolding around it was amazing. Yeah. A- and really led into the storytelling aspect as far as cutscenes go for 343. I mean, this is some of their best work with that yeah and i think five does continue that along i mean as much as people fault five or fault the marketing they do create beautiful visuals mm-hmm. and tell that story through it do you need other sources to catch up on it understand who jewel is or understand how these came about to be yeah yeah you, you do kind of you do kind of need it even if it's just reading the first like i said the first two kilo fives we're obviously fast forwarding now in the game as opposed to what the book's going to tell us the third third book sorry but we're at least knowing who the character is and, mm-hmm. and seeing how that can come about and, and what's going to happen next. So definitely appreciate that. And I think I would love more modes for this. I mean, Firefight for ODST was like, 
I played hours and hours of that. So mm-hmm. being able to have that with friends again is is really cool. And you know, it's it's definitely a welcomed addition. I would say. Yeah. Again, I think it, they just fell a little short with the idea that it was just kind of this this hand me down mode that they tried to make. And as frustrating as it is to make literally everything canonical, I still liked the idea. The idea that your Spartan is the same as it is in multiplayer is really cool. And any kind of experience you get from one transfers over to the other and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But with that, you know, to give it a quick score, quick ranking, I'm actually going to go with a 7 or a 7.5 out of 10. Because, All again, right. I was more interested in this by the end of it than I was with the Halo 4 campaign. I liked this better than I liked the Halo 4 campaign. And I know someone's going to be like, what? But that's fine. Yeah. I mean, the the Halo 4 campaign summarized was, I hope you like using Promethean weapons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But on my side, you know, I'd probably give it the number of times Catherine Halsey's escaped uh, justice, if you want to say that, or escaped (laughs) imprisonment. Uh, multiplied by the number of planets that people have wanted to throw into suns or disintegrate, uh, plus a pretty good story, I'd say. Uh, that gives you Spartan Ups. That's my ranking. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You know, I'll take it. But yes, that was our Halo 4 Spartan Ops Season 1 episode. Again, there's no Season 2, and they had planned for Season 2 and 3 Unfortunately, we never got it. I think if they would have gotten an opportunity to do season two, I really think we would have gotten what we had wanted. Yes. Like better gameplay, you know, better scenery to go with it. Maybe even its own accommodating soundtrack. One well, its own kind of story that'll help us build into five. Mm-hmm. You know, that that way you're not gonna have to have more written materials or visual materials. You're getting it right in that game mm-hmm. to kind of link you back in. Because that's obviously what one of fans' biggest critiques of four was not understanding how three and four bridged but now trying to really make four and five bridge. Exactly. So, yeah. So thank you guys again for listening. Um, as always, want to thank our awesome patrons who are keeping this show alive. Yes. Keeping it running, allowing us to put new work to this, allowing us to have some outside help with research and other aspects that are going on. So truly, truly appreciate that. And want to thank those people today. And those people are Charles Zitter, Tactics, Skyjack, Harvey Chong, Brandon Reshatar, Anger Canadian, ZZ Slipaway, Grant Dillon, Colonel Panic, Mr. Chof, Cowan Fong Feliciano, Dragonfire, Bretton Bagley, James Yervasi, Jonas, D Gamer1298, Duststorm, Alejandro Yaramil, Baby Z, Delphix, Quantum Easy, that LL Gamer Guy, and Graham. So we're getting real close to our 25 patrons where I will unfortunately have to play. Legendary CE. I will, I will with Halo. fortunately have to follow Alex around that game the whole yes. time. So we'll be playing that. We'll be <laughs> we'll be streaming that and getting that rolling. We'll have a, a VOD doc for that. Mm-hmm. But that'll be good. Um, yeah, and as always, got some really cool rewards uh, on Patreon. So you can check that out today. You know, whether it be some cool posters, mm-hmm. chance to play some game nights with us, some private chats, all that stuff. So check it out today. And as always, check out our two stores. We have one that is our print store. So some really awesome prints that Jesse creates, which is nuts and awesome. So check that out today. Thank you. And then we also have our merch store uh, with both a UK or a European and an American store. Mm-hmm. Um, both have very similar things. But if there's anything that you guys think that you want or think that'd be really cool to put in there, let us know. Yep. Even we've been asked for mugs with our faces on them. Oh, yeah, so need to do that. <laughs> you never know. But yeah, you know, speak, touching on Patreon really quick, you know, if you do join our Patreon, then you do get your own private Discord where all the patrons mm-hmm. can talk. And then just Discord in general is free, and any and all are welcome to join. It's going to be in the description of this episode. If you can't find a link for whatever reason, please uh, send us a message, and we will give you the link. You know, where to send us a message? Either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you should be following or liking us anyways. And, of course, if you want to give us a review about the podcast itself, please do it on iTunes. It helps us rank. And if you want to listen to us on Spotify, that would be great because it helps us out tremendously Mm -hmm. and before we sign off here as just a reminder if you want to go to podcastawards.com as i said we are currently signed up so you can nominate us for the best games and hobbies podcast of Mm -hmm. 2020 we'd really appreciate that this would be an awesome thing for the podcast so again just go to podcastawards.com if you go to the nomination sign up 
from there, you can nominate us. And then it moves on to the next step of a panel of judges to say, you know what? Were their fans right? Do they deserve this award for best games and hobbies? So again, if you could do that, that would be awesome. But with that being said, we did just cover Halo 4 Spartans Ops Season 1. And again, I loved that game. and It was a fun one to do. It's a short and sweet one. So we're glad to have brought it to you as a separate piece of media instead of just lumping it in with Halo 4 into two paragraphs or so. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. Halo, it's finished. No, I think we're just getting started.